Genesis 50 is where we're going to be in just a moment. So you can find Genesis 50. It's the last chapter. It's the end of Genesis. And uh, uh, we've done a greatest hits for the month of uh, January and February on into March. We're dealing with the stories in scriptures the events that we've always heard about, we need to remind it and reaffirm what we uh, know in the scriptures. And so that's why we've done what we've done. We've walked through many familiar stories, but we want to refamiliarize you with those. And so today we're going to be dealing with Joseph. And I call this a life with adversity. So we're going to be reading in Genesis 50. In just a moment, let me give you a word picture to get started. Uh, Several years ago now, two of our grandkids were spending the night, and they were little. And, you know, you got to have something for them constantly. So Saturday morning, we decided to go to Zilker Park in, in Austin. And uh, you never know what you're going to find on a Saturday at Zilker. And so we take the uh, grandkids down there, and it was a uh, monarch butterfly festival. And I thought, man, that's cool. And we took the kids uh, to it, and uh, it would... Uh, show you they had tons of, of uh, cocoons and monarch butterflies and caterpillars, the whole uh, nine yards. But a uh, picture of a caterpillar here, this is a, a caterpillar. And they had caterpillars there. And uh, eventually the caterpillar is going to become a monarch butterfly. I'm not telling you anything new there. They call it Uh, metamorphosis where a caterpillar turns into a monarch butterfly. But they had a tent set up there that you could go in this tent and they had tons of cocoons that were opening up. And so these cocoons were starting to open up and uh, the monarchs were flying around in there. They tell you, do not touch the cocoons. And uh, there's a reason I learned behind that. Because, you know, a caterpillar makes a cocoon, and that cocoon, they start uh, working their way out, and a butterfly should come out, right? The temptation, because you're watching that struggle take place, the temptation for me would be to take scissors or razor blade and help that butterfly out by uh, cutting the cocoon. However, I've learned that that would be the demise of the butterfly because part of the breaking forth from the cocoon and the struggle and the adversity that he goes through getting out of that cocoon is what gives his wings strength so he can become the beautiful butterfly that he is. If not... He will come out deformed and you will basically secure his death because of that. He has to break forth from that cocoon to become a butterfly. I've learned that life is very similar. 
Amen? Uh, if not, you will learn. Uh, you, you have to go through things as God transform you into his image. And we're going to be looking at this today in Genesis chapter 50, verse 15 through verse 21. Allow me to read this part of the story and then give you the backstory. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father, and their father was Jacob, was dead, they said, it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And now, please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. His brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for, I, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Let's back story. 17 years previously, You've got a, a guy by the name of Joseph, and I want to give you the backstory of Joseph just as I could. I'm going to use three words to give the backstory. Number one is dysfunction. Dysfunction. Joseph grew up in a dysfunctional home. He put the fun in dysfunction. I mean, it's there. You say, how do you know that? Well, number one, his dad was a rascal. Jacob was a rascal from birth, and he cheated his brother Esau out of his birthright, so they have a heritage of deceit in the family, even though God kind of straightened Jacob out, and, and, uh, and uh, he had, Jacob had 11, uh, 12 sons and one daughter that we know of, Dinah, but he had 12 sons, and Joseph was next to the last. Benjamin was the last one. So you got 12 boys, one girl, get this, four moms. Now, my mom was strong-willed, and uh, I can't imagine four. You know, I, it just blows me away. Four moms in a house and... Uh, and you get away, uh, you can't get away with anything. So you talk about blended family. I know some of you have blended families, and it's not easy to do that. And so can you imagine 12 boys, one girl, four moms, one dad, and you've got to blend all that together. Um, and here's the deal about Joseph. Joseph was Jacob's favorite and thus he spoiled them. You remember the story of the coat of many color or the extravagant coat 
that Jacob gave to Joseph. Didn't give to the other boys, but he gave Joseph. And there was no doubt that Joseph was his favorite. If somebody were to ask you which of your children is your favorite, you would never say it out loud. You would think it, <laughs> but you would not say it out loud. I'm afraid Jacob would have just said it out loud. Joseph is my favorite. Uh, I'm going to spoil him. I'm going to give him things. Uh, he was born to Rachel, and uh, so he was, there was a favor to him. So you got 12 boys. Benjamin would be the last. He was not in on the shenanigans. But you talk about jealousy of the other boys. They, they had the same dad, and it led to jealousy. And it led to the point where the boys abused Joseph. Now, we will get to that in just a second. But here's what I want you to grab right off the bat. Some of you grew up in a dysfunctional home. Your dad may have hit the road or somebody passed away or uh, you grew up in poverty and uh, maybe there was a blend, maybe there was abuse, I hope not, but there may have been abuse and you grew up in a dysfunctional home. I, I want you to hear my heart on this. Our past can affect us, but it doesn't have to order our future, okay? So if you went through a woundings, especially in an upbringing, I want you to know, it, I'm sorry that that happened, but it doesn't have to determine the or order your future. So dysfunction. Number two in Joseph's life, was difficulties. Uh, he, he went through difficulties. He went out one day, he was probably an older teen, to check on his brothers. And he goes to check on them, and they say, oh, here comes the dreamer, because he had these arrogant dreams as a, a boy about his brothers and his dad bowing down to him. So uh, they had every reason to have feelings uh, negatively towards their brother. But here's the deal. They sold him into slavery. Now, I, I have an older brother, and he used to keep me in line and uh, beat me up and that kind of thing until I got of size to uh, defend myself and I can handle it. But here's the deal. He never considered selling me. <laughs> so I'm just thinking, man, you're not going to abuse. They sold him. And then they sold him, and they made up a story that he had died and been killed by wild animals. They took his fancy coat. They put blood on it. And then they go back and show Jacob, an old man, that his favorite son has died. And uh, you, here's, here's another thought I want you to have. Our difficult circumstances affect other people. When you make a choice um, to do something, maybe it's evil, maybe it's whatever, it affects other people and it affected uh, their dad, Jacob, extremely. Uh, another difficulty, he is now being sold into slavery to some traders and he finds himself alone. 
and these slave traders get him to Egypt and sell him to a guy by the name of Potiphar. Potiphar was an important man in Egypt, and uh, he buys um, uh, Joseph, and he takes him home, and uh, uh, God has not left Jake, uh, Joseph. He, um, he takes care of him in Potiphar's house. However, Potiphar had a wife, and uh, here's Joseph, a good-looking young man, uh, probably now in his late teens, early 20s. He's a good-looking fella, and she tries to seduce him. And so what she does is she waits till the house is somewhat empty, and uh, she tries to seduce him. But Joseph is a man of God. He, uh, he's not going to have anything to do with it. So he leaves, but he leaves his coat, okay? Uh, I, and that wasn't a mistake. I think God is going to use that. But he leaves his coat, and what Potiphar's wife does, Potiphar gets home, right? And uh, so Miss Potiphar goes, uh, and she says, this jacket belongs to that slave that you put in charge of the house. He tried to seduce me. She's lying. And uh, Mr. Potiphar says, oh, must be true because of my wife uh, told him. Uh, and she's got bigger problems uh, than Joseph. But there was this false accusation that is made. So Joseph is put in prison, Okay. And once again, he is isolated and alone, but he finds favor with the guards, and he's put in charge of other prisoners. And there's a cupbearer, a wine taster, basically, and a baker that are put in jail. They are Pharaoh's uh, personal wine tester and his personal baker. And they get put in, in jail, and uh, we don't know exactly what they did, but they had dreams in jail. They tell Joseph their dreams, and uh, uh, Joseph says, I, I can interpret your dreams. And so he tells the cupbearer, the wine tester, he said, you're going to be restored. And uh, sure enough, he is restored. He talks to the baker, and, he, and the baker's thinking, ah, man, I got a good word happening to him. And he says, uh, Joseph tells him, you're going to get your head cut off. I, I, I do not want that dream, but uh, that's what happened. And so the baker got his head cut off. So these two guys, and then they go, uh, the one cupbearer goes back to work for Pharaoh, and uh, in working for Pharaoh, he forgets completely about Joseph. So we've got dysfunction, and difficulty. Uh, some of you grew up in dysfunction, but many of you are going through difficulties. Um, I hate to say this to you, but you're either coming out of a difficulty, you're in a difficulty, or you're about to enter a difficulty. Let's close in prayer. Now, <laughs> you know, that's... That's not encouraging words. Uh, that is a, uh, 
but life is full of difficulties. Amen? I mean, it just happens. Um, So, but the third thing about Joseph's life is destiny. He grew up in a dysfunctional home. He had tons of difficulties, but he had a destiny. And God was in control. God's presence was with him through the whole journey, and God never abandons, never. He had favor with Potiphar. He had favor with the jailer. And finally, he is remembered by the cupbearer. And he, Pharaoh has a dream, okay? Pharaoh is the king of Egypt. And he has a dream. He tells it to the cupbearer. The cupbearer says, ah, oh, man, I, I remember this guy in prison that interprets dreams. How many, how long it was, I don't know. But they go and get Joseph. He shaves, he cleans up. He comes back to Pharaoh. He hears his dream. It's a dream about the future, that a famine's coming, and you need to prepare for the famine. And so um, Pharaoh's uh, uh, dream is interpreted by Joseph. And then Joseph was raised to second in command in all of Egypt. So he now has a destiny that God took him through dis- dysfunction and difficulties, and now he has a destiny for him. And here's another thought. God had a bigger plan than was visible at the time. And God has a bigger plan for us in his church than what we see on a temporary basis. And it would take 400 years for this dream to become fruition, but God was in control. So what was the bigger picture in uh, uh, Joseph getting down to Egypt? Number one, it was so the children of Israel could get down to Egypt and be protected in a safe environment so they could procreate and grow. And what is a family of X number of people grows into millions of the children of Israel. And, and so there was a safety there. Uh, number two, it was to show one of the mightiest nations in the world, Egypt, the power of God. So God was in control to show that. Number three, it allowed the people of God to grow and then to strengthen them so they could eventually get into the promised land that he had for them. And you're sticking with me. They came uh, down to Egypt. God delivered them from Egypt, as Brett talked about last week. And then they got to the promised land eventually, and you can see the big picture because Jesus is going to come from this family line, okay? So God has a bigger picture than just Joseph. And what that means is your difficulties may not necessarily be about you, but about God's kingdom and the plan he has. Now, that's hard to hear, but it's true. And I know many of you are going through difficulties, and you're saying, God, what is my destiny 
through this. I want you to know that God's timing is always set towards his ultimate purpose. So if you're going through something, understand that God is never late and it, he's, he may take you through discomfort, but he is fulfilling his purpose. And despite all that you go through, God is ultimately in control. So, dysfunction, difficulties, destiny. So what does this scripture mean to us? Number one, Jacob has died, and his brothers had sold him into slavery 17 years earlier. But they come because Jacob has died, and notice, first of all, they sent a messenger. They didn't come on their own, and they said, you need to forgive the boys. And Joseph had already forgiven them. And isn't it interesting that he says he wept? I thought about that, and I thought, you know, Joseph's heart broke. For 17 years, these guys have been carrying a weight uh, uh, of uh, wounding that they had and the evil that they'd done, and they'd been carrying this around with them. And thus he wept. I, I think sometimes... The heart of God, even though he is sovereign, we look at Jesus and Jesus shows so much. He is God incarnate, but we see that he wept. And I, I wonder if sometimes our bucking our, uh, against God when it comes to difficulties, if he does not weep because we're walking in woundings instead of our identity with what he created us to be. So Joseph weeps, and then Joseph responds. The boys say, hey, forgive us. Uh, we are servants. Uh, Joseph weeps, and then he speaks, and here's what he says. He says, am I in the place of God? You're, you'll stand before God someday. Am I in the place of God that uh, you come to me for ask forgiveness, uh, deal with this with God. And then he says this, you meant this for evil against me, okay? He doesn't dodge that it was evil. You meant this evil against me. And basically, I'm not holding against you, but here's the deal that he comes to realize. And he says this, God meant it, for good. You thought you were doing evil, but God did something good out of it. He fulfills his purpose. You know, I want to get personal with you just a second and give you three so what's and they will be on the screen because I think God in his Grace has put this story for us to grab and to learn from because we see a type of Christ in Joseph. Number one is this. Just because you're going through adversity doesn't mean God has abandoned you. In fact, 
Most of us wouldn't have come to Christ if there wasn't a difficulty of conviction that had to come. But I want you to know God has not abandoned you. If you've gone through abuse, and I, I pray to God you have not, but I want you to know God has not abandoned you. Uh, you've gone through death this past year or recent, God has not abandoned you. You're going through health issues, God has not abandoned you. You're going through financial struggles, God has not abandoned you. And so you need to know that God is there and he has not abandoned you. He is with you. And I know somebody's going to say, but Mark, it doesn't feel like it sometimes. I, I, I think what uh, Brett hit uh, earlier when he prayed for the message today, you know, sometimes we don't feel it. But God is not into the feelings as much as he's into his glory and his plan. So God has not abandoned you. Number two, adversity can define you or refine you. Your life is, a part, is part of a much bigger picture. Your difficulties, your adversity can either define you or refine you. I wonder how many counselors deal with people that they've allowed their dysfunction and difficulties to define them instead of refine them. And some of you maybe were walking in woundings that you had as a child, and, and, and we all have them. We all have struggles we've walked through. But have we allowed it to refine us or to define us? And we're walking in struggles because of that. And your life is much bigger picture. In fact, you may not see the outcome. Just like Hebrews 11, you know, the great hall of fame of faith. It says the world was not worthy of them. And then it says they were uh, going and they did not see the outcome. They, they, God took them on home before they saw the outcome. And, and you and me may not see the outcome. Case in point, many of you have children that have walked away from the Lord. Are you a spouse or uh, a family member, anybody that's walked away from the Lord? And, or they, they're lost, they don't know Christ. And you pray, God, and, and here's maybe your prayer. God, whatever it takes. What if it takes your life? What if it takes your life and you're in the kingdom and somebody walks up to you in the kingdom and says, hey, your son that you prayed for, he came to Christ out of your death. Difficulties, but adversity can define you or refine you. Number three, God waste nothing. Nothing comes to you without going through his hands. That gives me comfort. I know that nothing I'm going through is by accident. It's gone through his hands. That I cause it, I mean, 
certain times we can cause evil in our life. But God has a gracious way of not wasting that. He will even use that. And so we, we see that the Father has allowed it because it's gone through his hands first. And you're thinking, well, how does Jesus fit in there? You remember a Sermon on the Mount? Jesus said this. He said, enter by the narrow gate because broad is the gate and easy is the path that leads to destruction, but narrow is the gate and hard is the path that leads to life. Jesus said that. So whoever has a, a theology that says, oh, if we give God $1, he gives us 10 or we do this and he's obligated to do that, he's not. He has a bigger plan. He loves you. He's given your, oh, giving you the Holy Spirit comfort and, and he is in control. So God wastes nothing. Nothing comes to you without going through his hands. I want to ask the worship team to come as I try to land this right quick. Some of you have let your dysfunctional upbringing define you. Man, I pray that God will show you his grace and mercy and understand that it's you're not an abuse victim. You're not a, a divorcee. You're not a cripple. You're, you're a child of God. That's your identity, and you're being conformed into the image of Christ. That's how he's refining. Some of you are going through difficulties. I don't know what it is. I, I know some of you are going through difficulties, and, and my heart breaks for you. It really does, because I know you're suffering. And, and please understand, God has not left you. I, I know sometimes the prayers seem like they're hidden brass and not getting to the Father. But I love Romans 8, which says we have the Holy Spirit that intercedes with a, for us with groanings. He is groaning for us. But you all have a destiny. Um, Lacey, you standing? Uh, I, love, I love Central. Uh, Lacey is expecting a child. Uh, I want you to see her because she is uh, not really comfortable. Are you, Lacey? Huh? Yeah. Not super comfortable right now. When's your due date? First of March. Good night. We're not going to have you up there very long. Um, but you, you can sit. Um, I, love, I love Central. We're a multi-generational church that has, we believe in the vitality of preschool and nursery and children and students and young adults and adults and 
We had a great senior adult brunch on Thursday. That was so fun. Appreciate Ken putting that together. But uh, one of the things, I talked to Tricia, uh, I mean, uh, Jenny, who's over our preschool. And I always ask her, how many ladies have we gotten in the queue for uh, expecting? And man, it's growing all the time. And, and uh, But here's what I think about you uh, ladies who have bored children are expecting right now. I, I feel for you. I really do. I mean, good night. The body goes through such trauma for nine months. I mean, it blows me away. Some of you deal with a morning sickness as it uh, starts, and then you get a little better, and then the baby starts to grow, and and uh, he gets on a nerve, a sciatic nerve or something, and you stretch, and I'm thinking, God, did you meant it for us to stretch that way? I mean, it's just unbelievable what you ladies go through. And then uh, uh, the closer you get, like Lacey, you got to go to the restroom all the time, and uh, back hurts, and, and then you're going to get in the, in the uh, room and back uh, 40 plus years ago when our son was born, uh, you know, we go to the hospital and uh, back in those days it was so sterile compared to today. But uh, you go to the hospital and I paid good money for Lamaze classes and they say, Mr. Westerfield, you need to go to the cafeteria. And, uh, but eventually I got in there. And so we've got, of course, Pam uh, on the table. We've got uh, uh, myself, the doctor, and a nurse. So uh, uh, four of us in there. And all of a sudden, there's a fifth person in there. Man, it is incredible. You, you just think, man, there is a God. And uh, all of a sudden, and I remember Pam uh, having to stress so much, she broke uh, blood vessels in her face. And, and it was just such a difficult time. And, but when Josh was born, all of a sudden, all those difficulties washed away. She had a baby. And she loved the baby, all, all three of our children. And I just think, God, that's what you're doing with life. We go through difficulties. We go through struggles. But you are birthing something in your church. You're birthing something in your children. You're, you're setting things in motion so that you're going to be brought much glory and honor. And one day, you're going to crack the skies or you're going to take us home, whichever comes first. And you're going to birth us into eternity. And all these struggles, all this dysfunction, all these uh, difficulties are going to wash away. And they're going to be no more.